0: Hey, Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family. Welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela. Today, we are talking about how we set ourselves up for failure in aura color. But first, hey Scotty. Hey guys. So the past two weeks, past two episodes in a row, we've gone paranormal, uh, Mothman, an amazing story. We had so much, we had to make it two episodes. Mystic Michaela's spiritual family members had amazing stories. I and mean, when we talked about UFOs, we talked about cryptids. We, I mean, and you got into it.
1: Yes, I was so into it. Um, re- I mean, I've just been so drawn to going back to West Virginia. Yeah. No, we're probably not, but I really do want to go back. And I've called the Mothman Museum at least three times.
0: Well, okay. So this is, <laughs> I have to tell everybody this story. So... I had a doctor's appointment and you're sweet enough to take me, and next to the office is a bagel spot. And so you were like, I'll be in here waiting for you. So I was done with my appointment and I walk in and I open the door and it was weird. You're sitting in the middle of the restaurant. There's people talking to you, buzzing around. This is a bagel store. You're, you, you're on the phone. Yes. You have paper spread out all around you. Yeah. And this is a,
1: not the same bagel store where the guy that with the hitchhiker no, and all we that. Have, this is a different we bagel a di- store. We have we,
0: a couple locations we frequent.
1: Yes. We, we frequent <laughs> all the bagel stores <laughs> right. in the South Florida area.
0: But this one is a less familiar one to us. But anyway, so you're like kind of taking up court or something in this bagel store. And I walk up <laughs> okay. and you, you hold, you're on the phone. And you hold your finger up to me, like, kind of like, excuse me, like that, like, not right now. And I'm like, oh, okay. And you're on the phone with somebody, and you have like your serious tone, and your red aura is like really out. And I'm like, who's he talking to? And you're like, yes. Yes, I I can't wait. I appreciate your help and this assistance in this matter. I will... You know, you're like... I don't know. I'm like, who's he talking to? He's so serious. Like, I look forward to the delivery of the Mothman shirt. (laughs) So you had called and you're treating it like the most important meeting ever. Like... (laughs) You, I haven't seen you approach actual serious things in this manner. Yeah, you want you wanted to speak, you wanted to know where your Mothman yeah. shit was, and you were on the phone with the museum. Right? <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> I, I ordered it like two weeks ago. Right. You know, I wanted it for when the episode. Came out. Yeah. That didn't happen. So I called, like... And again, this is like my third call there. Like, <laughs> my first call, I wanted to get some information. Well, they're like this little yeah. small
0: town, I assume, museum with limited hours. Um, yeah. You know,
1: come on. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> and and I just wanted to know where the shirt was. It it hadn't been shipped. It was just actually sitting on the counter in their store. Right. I guess the... Per, you know, this was the conversation I was having yeah. with the lady. And, you know, they hadn't gotten to it yet.
0: Well, anyway, so you're very... Serious, yes. and you're very like in your business mindset and everything. So I sit down, and you're like, Oh, go help yourself to a bagel, um, and uh, tell them all the aura colors. So, <laughs> unbeknownst <laughs> to me, you had informed everyone that I would be telling them the aura colors. So I'm like, Ooh. Okay, so I go right. up with my money, and I'm like, Okay, can I have a plain bagel? And you're a purple. <laughs> So I'm waiting for my bagel. I'm having a whole conversation. Well, yeah, because
1: when I walked up to get my bagel,
0: right,
1: the uh, I had my shirt on, my Know Your Aura shirt. Right. And the girl behind the counter, very sweet, You know, she said that she loves auras and she loves That's learning awesome. about them. And she even thinks she listened to the show on YouTube. I was trying to tell her it was a podcast, but there is, I think you can no, listen yeah, on YouTube. They're all
0: on YouTube. So she mm-hmm. thought
1: she had listened to it. And I said, well, and then she was trying to tell me her colors, what she thought. And yeah. she said that she thought she was red and purple and right. yellow. And I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're definitely purple. <laughs> and I don't think you're red. So I'm like, oh, if, if uh, you know, Mystic Michaela comes in, I think I said your, your regular name. But if she comes in, I'll have her tell yeah, them. So That's I, what happened. Right, what of happened. course. And, and then I sat down and made my phone call to the Mothman.
0: Right. People. <laughs> it's like this very serious business. So anyways, but... It was funny because as I was talking to them, and this is something that you can all maybe, I don't know, I can reiterate I want this once again. The girl's favorite color is purple. Okay? Like, it's her favorite color. She loves purple everything. And that was the color I happened to see around her. And then her manager came up. I didn't know it was her manager, just like another lady came up and she's... um I'm, I'm like, well, you're a red aura. She's like, that's crazy. I've always had a red car. I love red cars. I always buy red cars. It's like my one thing that's flashy about me. I love red cars. So we were just talking about how your favorite colors can really be your energy colors. And then the girl was saying, but I like red. Like I'll wear. I like red lipstick. And sometimes I like a like a pop of red in my clothing or a pop of yellow or something like really bright. I'm like, that's actually your purple coming through and seeking attention. And, you know, fashion ways. just kind of, you know, there's nothing like a beautiful woman with, like, beautiful red lipstick on. Everyone's going to look. And that purples love that yeah. when you're in a purple mood. Right. So it was just kind of fun having yeah, a whole yeah. – so, yes, that was our bagel store moment. Yeah.
1: And for me, of course, it was great because then once I heard <laughs> that she was purple, you know, I got I'm doing my – Victory dance in the bagel store. Yeah. Jumping up and down. I got it. See, I got it. I got it. You know, I have to tell everyone I got it.
0: You're an aura explainer. Like or-splainer. like all of you listening, we all are able to do it. This is what I'm giving. I want to give you this confidence that you hang around long enough, you can do it too. So
1: my advice to you, if you haven't gotten your colors yet, the best way to do that. Is to go to a bagel store in the <laughs> South Florida area. Eventually, we're going to come in there. Eventually, eventually, and
0: we bagel store hop. once you
1: see me in my shirt, you come up and you say hello, and then you know I'll have Began tell you your colors. All right. <laughs> so anyway, all right, all right. We're going to do a quick ad from Kitty Poo. <laughs> <laughs> Love that one. Love that. Okay. Thank you. Uh, then when we come back, we're gonna actually get into this failure stuff. So we're going to do historical failures that really changed the world.
0: So Scotty here. Tells me that he's not a cat person. I'm not. But yesterday, well, when I came in from cleaning the garage, I caught you. I caught you spooning our third cat.
1: He, he yes, <laughs> he, he wouldn't let me go. I had I was sitting there for an hour. He was like purring so loudly. Oh, I know, and he was like all over my you know body, laid out. I couldn't. Yeah. What was I supposed to do?
0: I feel like the third cat is the one that's going to convert you to. You know, being a, a, true, a true cat person. A, crew, a cat dad? It can, yeah. A true cat dad. A true cat dad. But okay. here's the deal. Another thing that will convert anybody to being a true cat parent is when you can enjoy your cats, not smell your cats. And let me tell you, Kitty Poo Club can definitely help you with that. Kitty Poo Club is the most convenient monthly litter box ever. Every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers an affordable and recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. They even have an extra large litter box for all those fluffier cats out there. When the month is up, just recycle the used litter box and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to you. You can easily customize your subscription at any time to maybe add some Toys, treats, accessories, whatever will make you and your kitty happy. I think my cat knows I'm doing a Kitty Poo Club ad because he's sneezing at me right now. Correct. And right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering an awesome discount on your first litter box order and free shipping. When you set up an auto ship, just go to www.kittypooclub.com. to save on your first auto-ship order of litter boxes with free shipping. And be sure, please, to let them know that Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela sent you after you check out. That's kittypooclub.com. So today's topic, I really wanted to talk about five ways we set ourselves up for failure through the lens of aura color. But I have with us a special guest, resident historian, professor... It's professor Scotty. Welcome, <laughs> Professor.
1: Hello, hello. Uh, I did work at Domino's Pizza with a master's degree, so take everything I say. With, in history. Yeah, in history. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do have a master's degree in history. And you
0: taught it for 20 years.
1: Yes, I did. And I also worked at Domino's Pizza yes. while I had that master's degree. Of course. Degree. But okay. And I actually, and here's the thing. It's funny because I'm actually teaching again. I yeah. was getting away from teaching. I thought I thought <laughs> I was done with my teaching. But then people have been telling me, like, they really enjoy... When I teach on the, on the podcast. You well, know? I think
0: you always enjoyed the teaching aspect. It was the repetition aspect. And then I like this lens of history and how it can apply to us spiritually and how it can apply to us like as a collective consciousness, how we can look back and see something. And, and that's what we're doing today.
1: Yeah. And also now that I have you, the aura reader, I can actually get into the minds of these people that you can't really otherwise. You know, there, okay. there's primary sources on them, but- how do I really know, which we're going to do the Archduke here in a second. I'll explain who he is. How could I really know kind of like jump into his body? You can't, but now I can with you.
0: Yeah. I like to look at their aura colors to give me a lens of who they were as a person. And it's funny because I love, I actually love history. I didn't major in it or anything, but I do love it. But whenever there was a picture of somebody, I always love to focus on it or understand them because of their pictures. So that's what we're going to do. But you, what what are you calling this?
1: All right. Well. I, I think there's some people in history now that have set themselves up for failure. Mm-hmm. And these failures, you know, if I fail at something, okay, if it, it affects me, <laughs> maybe it affects you, right. Affects the kids, the cats. Right. But you know, these people failed, it has affected millions and millions of people. Like just ripples throughout ripples. generations and yeah. time. So the yeah, and the first one is. The assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. It happened on June the twenty eighth, nineteen fourteen. And this is the event, you know, if you're not into history or anything, this is the event that sparked World War One. Yeah. And World War One eventually led into World, World War Two. You okay. can't have World War Two without World War One. Right. And then World War you know, into World War Two, Holocaust, all those things. You I mean you could basically say this one day, June twenty eighth, nineteen fourteen, changed history as we right. know it. Like for on a grand scale.
0: generational, Generational. And it's still changing it today. Right. It's right. it, You're saying it reset our course. It
1: reset our course. Now, not to say... Let's say this doesn't happen. It could have happened a different way. Okay. And you could still have had the world wars. Oh, well, time I'm, travel. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. but But truly, <laughs> this... And it's, it's, it's actually, you know, now that I think it from a spiritual lens, it's almost insane when I tell you this story.
0: Okay. So, okay. so get into it. I feel all like right, I so, fell asleep in 11th yeah, grade And a lot this. of people,
1: look, if you're not into history, you want to skip to your segment after this, go right ahead.
0: No, but you're interesting. <laughs> this is interesting. And I feel like all your students always said that you made it a story. So I'm okay. here for the story.
1: All right. And if you have any questions, just stop me because I know the story. I'm, and I'm going to simplify it. And I know the story backwards and forwards, but you, I know the audience does not. So. I
0: will be the voice of the audience.
1: Yes, so please. Okay. <laughs> so picture it Bosnia. Sarajevo is the city.
0: I don't okay. know if I can picture that, but okay. okay. Yeah,
1: you probably don't want to picture it. I can't I can't picture it because you know, I can't see things. But it's pre
0: war like it's a normal yeah, looking 18, city. June twenty eighth,
1: nineteen fourteen. World War I has not happened yet. And
0: what does it look like? Just regular yeah. life. Nice life, normal. Right. But
1: it's in the hands of the Austrian Empire. Okay. Okay, so Bosnia is controlled by the country, and at that time it was Austria Hungary. Okay. Okay. Archduke Franz Ferdinand is the heir to the Austrian throne. Okay. So when the emperor dies, he's the next in line. Okay. Serbia is the country next to Bosnia. Still is today. (laughs) Okay. Serbia (laughs) always thought that Bosnia should be part of Serbia. So Serbia and Austria are fighting over Bosnia. Right. And Austria is the much bigger power. Got it. Okay. But the Serbs want Bosnia in their control and they don't want Bosnia in the control of Austria-Hungary. Okay. Got it. Okay. So there's this group called the Black Hand. And you probably can call them a terrorist group. You can call them a nationalist group, depending on... It
0: depends who you ask. It depends
1: on who you ask. Yeah, okay. And their goal was to get rid of the Austrians in Bosnia. And they thought the best way to do that was this event on June 28th, which was to kill the Archduke, to assassinate the Archduke.
0: Okay, is the Black Hand a Bosnian group or a Serbian group?
1: Okay, they're a Serbian group. Okay. So they're from Serbia. Uh They're Serbians. There's going to be seven of them that are going to try to kill him this day. There is a gray area, whether or not they acted independently or was it backed by the Serbian government. Okay, Everyone at the end thought it was the Serbian government, hence World War I. Okay, but anyway, the main guy that's – the main player here is a guy named Gavrilo Princip. Okay, he's going to be – he's going to find himself in the right place at the right time. Okay, he's one of the assassins. So anyway, the Archduke – and this is where I I feel – You know, is setting himself up for failure. He decides that he's going to go to Sarajevo, Bosnia, and toward the city. Okay. Okay, Now think about this. There's Serbians all around that want this over with. They hate the Austrians. Like this is known. This is known. Yeah, this is known, right. Because there's a lot of Serbs living in Bosnia at the time. So everyone knows that the Archduke is hated there. Okay. He... Decides that he's going to go in an open air car. Oh, okay. He takes his wife with him. Now, I mean, this is like I don't what what is what, what are the what are the colors of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand? So what, I got what, what his picture,
0: colors? so I can read aura colors if I have an actual photo. And in 1914, there were actual photos, so I have a picture of him. And it looks like a royal official picture or something. He's red. He's very red. Now you got to understand aura colors can be influenced by generations. So he's red and blue, but he. Feels to me, and Reds tend to do this in history, so if you go back to 1914, what would be considered, I guess, logical back then might not be very logical now, okay, in, in terms of fairness or justness or things like that. Sure. But he's very Red, and I feel like he felt himself correct, and he felt himself um, he's got an arrogant vibe to him. So he's very comfortable being in power. He feels very comfortable with um, his ability to win over people because he's right. correct. Right. And he, in his mind, he feels correct. So he feels like other people will just get sense of that vibe. And he might have had a people around him that were yes, yes men and all that. So he was used to being agreed with and whatnot. And so his vibe is very much like, I'm correct. And if you don't agree with me, okay, then go... You know, I don't care about you.
1: Right. And you know nothing of this history. But no, I don't know. Nothing. And I'm going to validate you right here by saying you're 100% correct that he went there thinking that he could win over the Did people. He? Yeah. Oh, my God. Chill. That's what he thought. And yeah. Just
0: his vibe. He really was so arrogant. His, he thought his vibe would win people over. Now, right. he wouldn't call it back. <laughs> like, my vibe but win people over. Like, nobody's saying that in 1914. But that's what I get from him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. and, and I feel like he believes himself and he believes that he's got the right direction for everybody. Okay. He believes that. All right. Without. Yeah having a lot of empathy for other people's spots of course okay
1: yeah very okay so very interesting all right so again he's in an open air car he brings his pregnant wife with him oh he the route that he's going to take is published by the by the newspapers
0: it was
1: yeah uh, it's unbelievable right Well, so, yeah yeah i mean this has got like he's not purple but it's like purple bomb all over the place well, right
0: Well, just it's very arrogant it's very cocky, cocky. yeah yeah
1: yeah okay. So anyway, so the, the, there are seven assassins. They're lined up. So if like one fails, the next one's going to do it. And if the wow. next one does it, doesn't it, does do it, the next one's going to do it. Okay. So the car, he's in, and he's in this open air car. Mm. So the, the first assassin, you know, he, he botches it. it go, and this doesn't matter. But it goes, I think, to the second assassin. He throws a grenade <gasps> at the car. It hits the car. It, the, what they didn't realize, the grenade had like a 10-second delay on it. Oh. So the car speeds off. Okay. The Archduke is fine, and like people in the, you know, the parade, like it's parade panic or now, right? Is, yeah, people get injured and hurt. Sure, sure. But he does. But he's fine. Totally fine. Assassination attempt on his life, but comes out fine. Okay. Now you would think at this point in time they take him away, right? They whisk like, him away. I'm getting out of Sarajevo now. Yeah, I'm going back to Austria. Yeah. Okay. Like no. where's what? No, he <laughs> he goes. He like nothing happened. He's with he, his wife. He's with his pregnant wife, correct. Wow. He, he goes uh, to the event that he was attending that day what? And, and he carries on with the same agenda. Because he doesn't want to show weakness. Right.
0: Okay. That's very like cocky red aura.
1: All right. The, meanwhile, the rest of the, they, cap, they capture the one guy that threw the bomb, All right. the grenade, sorry, and then the rest scatter. Enters Gavrilo Princip. Mm. Okay. He decides that he's hungry. Okay. So Gabriel decides he's hungry. He goes to Sheila's deli. Okay.
0: Okay. Kind of like the
1: bagel stores we go to. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He gets a sandwich, walks outside of the deli. Okay. He's eating the sandwich. The Archduke is now on his way. He's away from that event. He went to an event. He's still in town. He's driving. The driver gets lost. Right. Remember? Cause they're they're from Austria. They're hanging out in Sarajevo. There's no phone. I Siri driver gets lost, makes a wrong turn. Right in front of the car. Guess who's standing there? Stop Garrillo it. The Willow Eating, uh, eating a, sandwich a sandwich? From Sheila's Deli. He what cannot, the heck? Yeah. Cannot believe his eyes. Takes out his gun. No. Yeah, Takes out his gun. He shoots two bullets. Kills three people.
0: How does he do that? Yeah. How does he kill three people with he, two bullets? Well, he
1: killed the Archduke, Franz Fernand. Okay. He killed his wife, Sophie. Yeah. And she was pregnant. <gasps> So oh, I consider that another death. So three people, two bullets, unbelievable. If he doesn't go to that deli, doesn't eat that sandwich outside. Oh, that's so if sad. If the artist just leaves town. Oh my god,
0: he's alive. And there's no wo- World War One, you- right?
1: Because then that that. So what do you think? Is that like divine timing? Is that something that had to happen? Uh, is that coincidence? I can't. What is that? I
0: can't understand that because like. I can't understand that people are supposed to die or wars are supposed to start. Like, I can't understand that. That's really weird, though. Yeah. And, like, just beyond coincidental
1: to something else. Yeah, because the session tape was over. Like, they all scattered. It was yeah, done. Yeah, they gave it up. Gabrillo goes and gets a sandwich. He's like, Oh, we, we screwed up, whatever. And then there comes That's the car. Crazy. Makes a wrong turn, goes down that road, and there he is standing there. Why'd
0: he kill the wife? I have um, I have the picture of him. Okay. So this is interesting because it's a long time ago, and looking at what's his name, Gabriello.
1: Gabriello Pringsch.
0: Gabriello. Looking at Gabriello, he is purple blue. Okay. And let me tell you why that's interesting to me. In old photos, very rarely do I see purple people. It's just the time and the generation and the hardships really tended to only honor, like, red auras or make you an invisible blue aura or a green aura. Like, like a, or sometimes yellow, sometimes, but, like, other colors, no, I never see. So him being purple blue, he feels like he's got nothing to lose. He feels close to... It's interesting that he's wearing a purple aura because, to me, it means it's stripped. He's been stripped down, to his authenticity or stripped down to his true self and almost like threw away society and threw away societal norms or cultural norms that he would have had programmed into you at that time.
1: Oh yeah. No, he, he had a harsh life, uh, terrible poverty. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how many brothers and sisters he had, but half of them were dead. Oh. Uh, you know, just living in squalor. He also was dying, which you didn't know. He was dying of tuberculosis. Oh my god! So he also had nothing. No, like you, that I think would you make sense. Said, he has absolutely nothing to, lo- nothing to lose. That He knows makes he's sense. going to die, and he wants to do this for the for nationalism. He doesn't think he's a terrorist. He thinks he's doing this for a greater Serbia by killing the archduke, who they see as invaders.
0: That's the purple thing then, because yeah. he. Was so close to, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It's just he's, he was stripped away from anything that was programmed into him. So he was able to get his authentic color back. Now, <laughs> having said that, um, he's not like a balanced person or anything like that. Like I can tell like this person, it's sad. Yeah. But the whole thing's sad. That's crazy. It's, so if he wasn't just happened to be, so happenstance and then that, and then that went immediately into World War I. Right.
1: So then – and again, now this is just pure history now. I don't think we have any more aura colors here. But yeah. Yeah. So basically what happens then is uh, they blame the country – Austria blames the country of Serbia. They okay. don't blame the black hand and the assassin. Okay. They blame Serbia. Once they do that, now you have like a system of alliances that are in place and uh, the Russians back the Serbs. Oh, God. Right? So the Russians back in Serbia – and you know cuz they're slavic people and you know germany backs austria okay. they're in a pact and then all of a sudden everyone's
0: and it's like everyone's section it off. just sets off a chain Whoa, re- a it's a like domino
1: yeah yeah i could go through a chain reaction but that's a that's whole okay. other history lesson
0: you lost me yeah yeah lose the after but, the yeah. sandwich thing i was like okay yeah. can you imagine that like what no. are the,
1: is it it's not is that a coincidence i mean that's what that, i mean
0: i mean i'm too small to answer that question is that honestly just, i
1: mean i know we all say like perfect timing like you know why reading will come in the perfect time well, but this is something crazy no, we
0: think of it in more Positive yeah, ways, I know. that's what I'm can saying. Can divine timing happen in negative ways?
1: I mean, did it was it destined to happen? Did it have to happen?
0: That's when- like you know you could si- see that negative things happen and then like <sighs> negative things. But is there anything positive? And a historical aspect, you could say, came out from any of this no, stuff? None, nothing. <laughs> so, I don't know. So that would make it, it's, ugh, there's nothing positive here uh, I, can, I can think of. Yeah,
1: I mean, I could try, but I don't I'm, I don't want to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I could find something, you know, I, I think... I was doing a little research and the Archduke was like a avid hunter. So maybe some, he wa- some, maybe oh, wow. some animals maybe lived. Maybe some
0: animals lived. Yeah. Okay. That's all. <laughs> but you're stretching. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I can't. I'm too small to answer a question like right. that, but it definitely feels like divine timing in a negative way. Okay. Sure. So definitely
1: an event that this failure, whatever, you know, the for, well, you have the failure of the Archduke to maybe understand. So
0: looking at his aura colors, yeah. just how he set himself up for failure, He his a red. Was completely ego hijacked, meaning he was really concerned with being correct and being powerful and not looking weak and being arrogant and cocky. And that just set himself up for failure. And a, a normal person who was more vulnerable or more normal or more balanced would have been like, oh, grenade thrown at the car, time to go home now. <laughs> you All know?
1: right. Yeah. All right. Let's look at another. I want to look at one more failure. That, no, it didn't start World Wars, but Blockbuster. Oh, yes. Okay, Blockbuster failing to buy Netflix. So that happened. I, mean, I didn't know huge, that. Right? I didn't know that. Yeah, this is you.
0: I remember because I do remember there was Blockbuster and there was Netflix yes. at the same time. And I do remember that like back in the 2000s and they were competing with each other.
1: Right. Okay, so if we go back to the year 2000, okay, the CEO of Blockbuster at the time was a guy named uh, John... Anti, anti, uh, anti, anti, Ocho, anti, and Reed Hastings was the CEO and founder. I think Reed Hastings is still the CEO and, well, of course, the founder of Netflix. Okay, and at that time, he Reed Hastings actually came to John, the CEO of Blockbuster, and said, "Hey, do you want to buy my company?" Okay, he, you know, he said, "Hey, do you want to buy me out?" Uh, the price, fifty million dollars.
0: It probably could, cheap for corporate oh, okay. world.
1: Okay, well, today Netflix is a hundred billion dollar company. Wow! So for fifty million, Hastings was going to give his company away. Yeah. To Blockbuster. Um. So I just quickly, would you be able to get the colors of those two men?
0: Okay. So I I took Reed Hastings' uh photo from I took it from two thousand four and then I took one recently just okay. to see like yeah, how he's changed. See, yeah. Back into he's green and purple back in 2004 he's got like that dad green vibe which is kind of interesting like so confident in himself but in like a in a like very who knows who he is i guess is what i'm trying to say Uh, a little bit of a stinker i feel like he was a i feel like he's a little bit of a, a jokester or somebody who's a little bit um you know like one of those people they'll Push a button and then like yeah. push it again just to see how you react. Like, oh, that's interesting. Let's I mean, do he that had again. to have
1: something to go into blockbuster at the time because they were all, a, a giant. He,
0: he's like, let's try it. Yeah, like, let's. Do it. like yeah. that's kind of his vibe. Like not taking life so seriously either. In a way, now he's very very green still and purple. I feel like he has fun in life. I don't know else to say it. Like even I know because I watch the news and I see how Netflix and Netflix is tanking a little bit with all these other uh, streaming services. He feels like one not to sweat things so much because he's so green and he can kind of block it out. So anyways, that's him. Um, but visionary, obviously. And I, and I got John Antiocho. I think I'm saying that right. His picture too. He's red. He's okay. red and purple. Red and purple. So very red. Um, And kind of like I do see with him, he's a businessman, you know, and, and he likes to do things, you know, he likes to keep the model traditional and he likes to be in charge. He likes to be the guy in charge. And just a little red person thing with red people. I'm picking on reds today. Um, They don't always like to hear other people's ideas. So this is like my life and it's just, (laughs) I deal with, so I just feel like, you know, this Reed walked in and was like, here's my idea. And this John is like, don't tell me what to do. Ha ha. Get out. You know, like that. Yeah.
1: Okay. And you're exactly right. So yeah, I mean, it's the year, it's the year 2000 blockbuster is the behemoth. They are huge. They are the top. There's no one that's even competitive with them at this point. They're so large. Um, remember so, Video Factory? Yeah. I don't even <laughs> do you remember that? I remember that. All no,
0: oh, some of you do. There was like Video
1: Factory. Oh really? Yes. I, remember, I, remember, I, I had a Video
0: Factory card too. Okay, oh, go okay. ahead.
1: But yeah, anyway. <laughs> so when when Reed Hastings approaches him, he just thought this was some small, tiny, you know. Nietzsche little business that was right. going to go absolutely Fly by nowhere. Night, sure. um, so, but then, you know, we all know what happens, you know, four or five years later, Netflix starts to become competition. And now John, who's still the CEO, realizes, oh, maybe I made a mistake here. And, but he still doesn't try to fix it. You know, like a, like a good red does, right. They don't admit that mistake right away. Yeah. Instead, he kind of looks in and he makes this huge decision to get rid of late fees. For blockbuster, oh, you remember, you I forgot. That oh, yeah. yeah,
0: no late fees. That was like a big thing.
1: <laughs> it was a
0: huge My thing. Parents, it's so purple. <laughs> <laughs> My family, we, I think, still have Blockbuster videos because there was no late fees. We're like, oh, cool. That right. means it's ours to keep. Right. But but,
1: <laughs> but Blockbuster was preying on your parents because yeah. all their profits, it wasn't actually coming so much from the rentals. Yeah. It was coming from the it late was. fees. Yeah.
0: We couldn't even go to Blockbuster after a while because it was like 30 bucks just to rent like, yeah, you know. Were, they
1: were racking in <laughs> Like the hundred. Swiss
0: family Robinson were like, not worth it. Yeah. They
1: were racking in millions and millions <laughs> yeah. of dollars. From the late fees. All right. Then, you know, it's the kiss of death. They decided that they were going to try to be like Netflix. And anytime, you know, you, this is for anybody, anywhere, ourselves, anyone included. You try to do things the way someone else is doing them, and it's just not going like
0: to work. Like how Instagram's it, trying to be TikTok.
1: Like how right, exactly. They're never going to be TikTok. Yeah. And it's, it's almost sad to watch because it just, was
0: sad. I had a friend who was a manager of a blockbuster back then, right when this was happening. And they're like, Haha, Netflix, they think they can best us, but we're going to best them. And, right. you know,
1: and then if you're trying to do it, it their happen. way, you're never going to be able to do yeah, cause it. Cause I
0: think they were, but, cause they would send you like movies in the mail.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway, just, you know, and then he gets fired. John gets fired in 2005, I believe. Poor and, John. uh, but, but here's the thing with it. And you, you could do this in order color in a second, but. You know, Blockbuster—they were so dominant. They were th- th- being so dominant and being so efficient. A- in essence, was their downfall. Yeah. Which it, like it's so funny because their their strength was to be like this, you know, perfect running machine. It's great
0: company, so consistent. And, right. Every and the,
1: store was so consistent. Right. But what it what what it didn't allow for was any new information ideas to get in, and that. You know, is, you know, the I guess the red version. Sadly, that's what yeah. I liked
0: about it though. It was yeah. like it walked in, it's always smelled the same. Yeah. You know, it always worked the same. All the computers were the same. So. Um, in aura color, it's interesting to me. You know, here's the deal with John I got to cut him some slack because I'm sure green people were walking in his office all the time with wackadoo ideas. Okay. That's what green people do. Green people love. To twist an idea. Like, let's try this. Let's try this. Green people love innovation. So John was probably sitting there all the time listening to pitches. And he was like, no, no, no. And Reed was probably just another pitch to him. He's like, no. But honestly, when a green person hits it, they hit it. And yeah. they hit it in such a visual, visionary way. And such a, a different a different way that... um yeah, and that—that's that. I feel like that was his downfall, you know. Yeah. So it's hard because Reds like traditional ways of doing things, and yeah, like the the yeah. practice and, right. and stability. And Greens don't do that. Greens like to evolve when they're on their game.
1: Yeah, and to John's credit, you know, other. Blunders like this have happened. You know, I think Yahoo, remember Yahoo? Oh, yeah. They, I think they had the opportunity to buy Google and oh, they never did. Listen, I think yeah.
0: You had the opportunity to buy... Um...
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to get mad at Phoebe
0: again. <laughs> Wait, what was your opportunity to buy... This
1: is the whole story of why me and Phoebe don't talk. Your
0: spirit guide. My
1: spirit guide, Phoebe. And that's because <laughs> I asked her, hey, Phoebe, which stock should I buy? Should I buy American Express, which is a great company? We love them or should I buy Amazon. And of course we all know that Amazon went off to the moon. Yeah. And then, you know, that is why we're still feuding today that I haven't forgiven her. <laughs> she said buy America Express and I, you know, she have told me the other. That was your great blunder. That was my great blunder, yeah, <laughs> of course. All right, we got we got a couple ads and then you're going to come back and talk about how we set ourselves up for failure.
0: Before I get to the five ways we tend to set ourselves up for failure in aura color, I have to talk about two sponsors that I am really excited about. Okay, the first one, Osea. Here's what I do, and I highly recommend this <laughs> practice for all of you. I take a nice warm shower. I use Osea's salts of the earth body scrub. It's life changing. I come out of the shower. I lightly. You know, I'm still damp, but I lightly dry off. And then I use their Undaria Algae Body Oil. This is the self-care routine that is my secret to really soft skin. It also just makes me feel amazing. My skin thanks me for giving it that extra TLC. I mean, it's so important to make your skin hydrated and smooth with safe, clean products. And Osea's skincare products help nourish, soften, and smooth your skin to keep you glowing from head to toe. Maintain your radiant summer skin during the fall season with Osea's Undaria LJ body oil. It keeps your skin soft and glowing with Undaria LJ, acai pulp, and Babu seed oil. It's a rich, never greasy, luxurious body oil that's fragrant with sunny citrus and notes of sweet passion fruit. Try Andaria LJ Body Oil in Osea's Total Body Glow Trio Kit. The kit is a great gift or a great starter intro to all this. It includes the body oil, the moisturizing body scrub, and a plant-based body brush. You can sweep away all those dead skin cells, and then you hydrate for incredibly soft, glowing skin through fall. Like all of Osea's products, the Total Body Glow Trio is safe clean. It's responsibly sourced. It's vegan, cruelty-free, and all powered by the sea. So find your new skincare and body care favorites at oseamalibu.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with promo code KYA. You'll get free samples with every order and orders over $50 get free shipping. You're going to want it all. Trust me, it's really great over there. Go to Osea, O-S-E-A, malibu.com, promo code K-Y-A. This is a new sponsor. I am so excited about studs. Okay. So I have piercings. I have um five ear piercings, but I only wear my first ones. And I'll tell you why. I have ridiculously sensitive ears. So my other Ear piercings have closed up because I've never been able to find earrings that don't bother them enough to stay in until I was introduced to studs. Okay, studs is reimagining the piercing experience for each and every year. So not only do they have piercings you can purchase on their website. They also have studios. So if you want to refresh your look with a new piercing or need pro styling advice, you can shop online or you could stop into studs in LA, New York City, Austin, Nashville, Miami, or Boston Uh, Seattle. More is coming soon. If you want to get a new or even first-time piercing, but you're feeling a little scared, please fear not. Studs only pierces with single-use needles, never guns. So it's way safer and better, especially for advanced piercings. And here's the best thing and what I always look for. Studs earrings are made from high-quality materials, which won't turn your skin green. Plus, they're lightweight and durable enough to wear all the time. You can even sleep and work out in them. I have been wearing mine for a week. I don't even know they're in my ears. I've never had this experience before. Studs has had over 250 styles of hoops, huggies, studs, cuffs, and dangles, and they pierce way more than just lobes. So it's easy to create a statement look or something you keep in every day, starting at just $10 per earring. Right now, Studs is offering our listeners 20% off your first purchase when you go to www.studs.com. Dot com slash K-Y-A. So go to studs, S-T-U-D-S dot com slash K-Y-A for 20% off your first purchase. You got to go take a look at the website. It's such fun stuff on there. That's studs.com slash K-Y-A. Because I do so many readings, I'm able to see something really special in each and every one of you that I get to read. Um, and that's just how we set ourselves up for failure, And I see how we do this spiritually, and I see how we do it in aura color. And it's just interesting because I don't know everything. I've said that all the time. So sometimes I'll do readings, and most of the times I'll do readings. And somebody somebody that I'm giving a message to from spirit, there's a part of me that's like, oh, that's that's good you know because it's not coming from me it's coming from spirit i'm just the the vessel in which it travels so i'll be like man that's good you know or ah that's 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 interesting so i thought Talking about it in aura color could be a, a different way that we can see how we may be setting ourselves up for failure and why and what the spiritual reasons linked in are. How this originally was supposed to be was um, I wanted to talk about working out in aura color. Like, oh, purple's like Zumba class and yellow's like Pilates. But then it just got way deeper than that the more I thought about it. Like, you know, if a purple tries Pilates class, they might not stay in Pilates class. And if you have it in your head like, okay, I'm gonna be a Pilates person, I'm gonna to go to Pilates every day, I'm gonna be a Pilates queen. And then all of a sudden the purple acts purple and they get a little rebellious on themselves and they stop going, they might just they might just throw, you know, the baby out with the bathwater, meaning just like, oh, I'm not working out ever again because if I can't be a Pilates queen, forget it. And, at the, and, and really what that comes down to is they just set themselves up for failure instead of seeing themselves as a purple and being like, you know what? I need a variety of activities. It doesn't matter what it is as long as I move every day. So my point being... I started off in one thing and then I saw how much deeper it was and how it's not just about that. It's in all areas of our life. So here we are talking about how we set ourselves up for failure and how I see that happening on a spiritual level. All right. Number one, inauthentic aura colors. (laughs) Okay. I see this all the time. You're wearing an energy that's not authentic to you. We think we want something, but it's our programming or our inauthentic aura color, whatever you want to call it, which is telling us that we want it. What Quickly, what's an inauthentic aura color? I've talked about, if you've been following the podcast, I've talked about this a lot, but very briefly, my whole take on auras changed when I realized I was seeing people wear colors that weren't theirs, but they wished they were theirs. And I was a Spanish teacher, so... I really started to understand the worth of aura colors when I saw it in my students and I could differentiate instruction based on it. But then when the parents would come in for uh, parent conferences and stuff, I'm like, why are they wearing this when they're not this? And what is that about? And then I realized all these many years later, what it really is, is we will wear energies that aren't ours when we feel we cannot... Go through life successfully as we authentically are. And how sad is that? And we've all done it. And some of us are doing it now, but it takes a lot of energy to wear an inauthentic aura color. And sometimes you really latch on to it thinking it's you. So questions. What were you always told you were as a kid and how does this affect you today? Maybe they told, you, oh, you're so disorganized. You're so lazy. Or maybe you're very competitive, aren't you? Or you're you're very hardworking. You're so neat and tidy. You're so organized. You take care of everybody. What were you told and is that you or is it a version of you that you feel like you have to uphold? Another place it can show up in is a job or a relationship. Perhaps you're expected to be a certain way, but that's not really who you are. All these things can cause you to carry an inauthentic aura color and it's draining and it's tiring and it causes fatigue and it makes you very numb and it can make you very depressed or bitter and all the jaded and, and just very outside of your present moment And when you're feeling all of this and all of a sudden one day you realize like, that's not me. This could have happened to you. You could be in the midst of this. Maybe you're not there yet. But at some point you'll look around and be like, man, I've been building a whole life around myself and there is not one thing in here I actually want or connect to. It was a bunch of stuff I thought that I wanted based on who I thought I was. And now it's shattering all around me. That's when you've lost your inauthentic aura color. All right? Um, and what happens is is when you make yourself continuously do things that are about your inauthentic aura color and not about your authentic self, you're going to set yourself up for failure, because that's when you quit the job or leave the relationship or quit working out, or whatever the thing is, it'll happen, and probably on many levels. I'll tell you a story. I had a reading with a woman who was, I mean, patted on the back her whole life from birth on for being this good, oh, you're such a good, selfless person, so compassionate, so helpful. Her whole life, this was where the praise was from. This is what was expected of her. Okay. But now in her life, her adult life, she's she's an invisible person working in a thankless HR job for a company where it's the same thing. Um, they're like, wow, yeah, be selfless. That's be invisible, be selfless. Don't ask for anything in return and you're good. Well, the amount of inauthentic blue in her aura, that's the first thing I saw. Like, it was like, wow, it was just astounding. And she was borrowing all her self-worth That's what an authentic blue can do. Borrowing all her self-worth from others' opinions and then thinking that it was her own. Can you imagine being around somebody who smelled good and you think that was your smell too? Or being around somebody who smelled bad and you thought that was your smell too? That's what it's like. You can borrow other people's emotions, praise, thoughts, reactions to you and consider it your own sense of satisfaction or self-worth. Once you realize that you're doing that, I mean, your life will completely change. Episode four, The Recovering Empath. Um, So anyways, she felt very numb and stuck and stressed and sick and sad. And she was actually an indigo yellow. That was her actual aura color combination. Indigos love to be helpful, but they like to do it on their own terms with a lot of space around them and more quality instead of quantity interactions. And yellows enjoy organization and their own structure and they're very self-motivated. And she had this dream of working from home doing consults for individuals in business. This was more her personalized, individualized approach, which was authentic to her. She was growing out of pleasing everyone at once. Actually, if you're feeling this way, it's a good sign. It means that you're uncomfortable and you don't want to do this anymore. It's kind of like wearing a shoe that doesn't fit you anymore. Time for, you know, a new shoe and time for a new, I guess, just rundown of what your priorities are. Anyways, she, this woman could handle pleasing herself first and being then a better and more inspirational person to the fewer quantity of people that she could help. But she was stuck. She was stuck in this place of feeling like she couldn't do that. And she was using her ego logic to keep her in this job. You know, I already have the job and it pays and maybe I'm not good at anything anyways. And then in her life, she really felt like she was a failure. Someone who couldn't launch this business she wanted to build because she was getting very stuck with her own inauthentic aura in that way. So we worked through that. But my point is, is she couldn't, she'll never feel successful in that job. Somebody else could, but she can't. And so a way that we set ourselves up for failure is we stick ourselves in a context which is based on who we think we are or who we told we were are, which can be indicative of an inauthentic aura color kind of ruling you. So you got to think like who you are versus who you wish you were based on how you felt lovable growing up and how you feel lovable now. And you got to think about this. Like what things do I think I want versus what I do want? What, what relationships do I want versus what I think I want? Careers, everything. All right. Number two. Another way I see people setting themselves up for failure is thinking that we should do something and that the things we actually want indicate bad character qualities. All right. So I want to work from home. But I'm just lazy, okay, that'd be like a purple person or an indigo person. Or I don't want anyone bossing me around. I want just my own office with a door shut and I just do what I do. And that's like a yellow person. Or I want to be in charge of a team and I want to be the, the leader and they all come to me and I'm the final say, you know, that's a red aura person. And if you want these things and for whatever reason growing up or society, the world around you or the people in your life are telling you that that's negative, you can push that away. And then go after things you think you should be based on like what you think are actually good character qualities. So it's lying to yourself about who you are, basically. I had, oh, and then you can just feel like a bad person. Like maybe I'm a bad person if I don't want to help people anymore. Maybe I'm a bad person if I don't feel like climbing the corporate ladder anymore. Maybe I'm a bad person if I disappoint my parents or partner or friends by switching up my career. I'm, I'm a disorganized person if I decide to move across the country and pursue this completely different path. So, you're basing your authentic wants, I guess you're, you're connoting your authentic wants with negative character qualities. And that can set yourself up for failure because you're just going to keep doing the things that aren't working for you or you've grown out of or aren't authentic to you. And you will never thrive. In the way that you you inside want to thrive when you do that. Other people might be like, oh, you're fine. What are you talking about? But that's their ass- assessment of you. And, and a lot of the spiritual awakening, what it really is, is erasing everyone else's thought or assessment of you and going inward and be like, what is my thought and assessment of me? And what is that which is greater than us? And that assessment of me, that connection—whatever you want to call it—you want to call it God, you want to call it anything you want, Spirit—you want to call it whatever you want—that which is greater than us. How am I seeking and connecting to that within me? Because that's really the point. I um, I had <laughs> my normal person life. Um, it was after my pound class. I take pound. It's drumsticks. On the floor, it's a bunch of moms and we work it out, and it's aerobic activity, and it's great for purples. Okay, anyway, so after class, everyone was talking. A lot of the moms um, have kids older than mine, and it's that time. Like, what are they going to go? You know, they're seniors in high school. What next? And they were like, oh, my kid doesn't, none of the kids know what to do. Okay. I mean, that's like very normal. I feel like we've all been there. Some of us still don't know what we want to be when we grow up. And that's, we were told that that's not normal. Well, guess what? It's super normal. I read so many people, they still don't know what they want to do. They change jobs. It's okay. Anyways, everyone's, but you know, when you're paying for college, if your kids are paying for college or, you know, they have to pay for college themselves, you don't want them to waste their money. So I get that. So all the moms were having this conversation and I was just kind of listening and putting my stuff away and, and I was, um, I kind of came into the conversation and this one mom was talking about like, well, you know, she wants to go into, I don't know, sociology or whatever. Like it was some sort of one of those humanities things. And, but I'm telling her, you know, school's not the way to go. She should really, you know, go into this tech industry, Da da. blah, blah, blah. blah. And this other one was like talking about how she her kid doesn't know what she wants to do so she's just going for, you know, whatever, communications or whatever at this other university or this other one wants to go to a private school and pay all this money and she's like but she doesn't know what to do. So so it's kind of a lot of that. And the big thing was none of these kids knew what to do and their parents were kind of these moms I was hearing talking their big thing was, well, where are you going to get a job? Or where's the best path? Or where's the most efficient way to go about this college thing or getting a trade thing? And, you know, I just gave my two cents because I was in the conversation at this point. And I mean, without being too woo-woo, I was like, listen, like what I found with people is that instead of what job do you want, it's what do you want your day to look like? What kind of people do you want to work with? What kind of environment do you want to be in every day? What type of work do you want to be doing? How much leadership can you handle? How much authority can you handle? Get all those down, understand all that stuff about yourself, and then like peruse some general job directions after that. I mean, I don't know. That's, That was my two cents. They were all kind of like, wow, that sounds, you know, granola for us. But I was like, listen, (laughs) I don't know. We'll see where I'm at when my kid goes to college. But yeah, because it's really hard to stick yourself in a situation where I guess you connote who you are with bad character. And I'm a time waster. I waste money if I go to school for something I really actually enjoy. Or I should be a better person by doing something that I know will actually get me a job. I mean, all these things are good to think about, but I don't think you can throw one out without doing the other. I think you can still be smart about where you put your training and energy and education if you think about your actual authentic self first. Who am I? What motivates me? What do I want to do? And then make a choice instead of getting into something that makes sense in our 3D reality and then realizing 10 years later that I just wasted a lot of time. Number three, this is more of a spiritual thing. We don't align our goals with our actions. Okay. So it's kind of like, you know, when I was teaching... I've talked about this before. I guess I just I had, you know, I was 20, what, three? Okay. And I thought I couldn't be a teacher as my purple indigo self. So I went in with a lot of inauthentic yellow in my aura and I set my whole identity and personality around it so much so that I created a real hatred for the profession. Not the teaching part. I liked teaching. I liked all the things that I realized now were more purple and indigo about it, but like, I set up all this structure around me and with my inauthentic yellow that I hated it. And it really wasn't the hatred for the per- profession, so much as it was how I set myself up in the profession. <laughs> it's my own problem. I remember then, many, many years later, I met my first um, my first kid's kindergarten teacher and she was super purple. I mean, that's the kind of teacher I should have been in her classroom. It was very reflective of being a purple a purple teacher, okay? She was all over the place, but it worked for her. She owned it. And when I had my first conference with her, I mean, she said things about my kid that were so insightful, so intuitive. She didn't need the perfect bulletin boards or the best filing systems to be a good teacher. You know, you are perfect the way you are when you embrace it. Until then, you're just pretending and then everything will feel inauthentic. So, you know, we don't always set up our goals to fit how we authentically are as people. I set up teaching, I can look back with hindsight now, not at the time, but I see that I set it up in such an inauthentic way. Okay. I have to plan this much ahead and I have to have all this ready and I have to have all this cut out and I have to have all this done. And I have to do all these developments and I have to do, you know, I, I just put so much on my plate and I was so burned out by my own self and where and, and that made me fail at it. So it set myself up for failure by structuring it in a way that wasn't authentic to me. I mean, I see this us do this all over the place too. You know, I don't want I don't want to date guys like my ex anymore. And then like your ex calls you, and you actually take the time to have a conversation with him. No, (laughs) you know, you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, Or you know, maybe you're going. (laughs) <laughs> what is it? You're going out with, you don't want to drink so much, right? You're like, right, I'm going to take a drink, break from drinking. I feel like I've been drinking too much. I feel like, I feel like I've been drinking too much and having fun, you know, and, and instead of having fun without drinking, I've just, I can only have fun when I'm drinking. I don't want to change that. But then you, you keep the same friend group and they're pressuring you. So you have to take your actions too and structure your life to fit whatever your goal is, because otherwise you are setting yourself up for failure. Unfortunately, A lot of this is in hindsight, so you have to be very on top of yourself in the moment. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, how to get mindful about it. Okay, the fourth thing, listen, failing can be comfortable for us. This, This part gets a little heavy. I've said this a million times on this podcast. We don't do what's good for us. We do what's normal for us. And sometimes failing is normal for us. When we make goals which we know we will fail on purpose, we may be chasing failure as a way to feel in you know feel comfortable and in control. Failure is comfortable. I tried, well I tried. It's like did you try or did you say you tried and then you failed and now you feel like in that comfortable familiar place of failure. I had a client and she seemed in her mind she's like why am I only attracting married men? Um, side note. Here's just a little side note. There's no judgment in spirit and I don't judge when I do readings. Okay? I don't. I really don't. I've just I don't. I turn it off. And that's really one of the most beautiful things about being able to do readings is that I just have really been able to pick up how the, you know, I did the judgment episode a few episodes back, just pick up how the universe observes you. They don't judge you. They observe you. So I do, it's just, I just want to bring this up because this might be a triggering story. So anyways, I had a client and she seemed to only be attracted to married men. She didn't want to do this anymore. You know, she wanted love and she wanted a relationship, but she kept dating married men who wanted side flings, not serious relationships. I mean, they would say they wanted serious relationships with her, but you know, all their actions did not suggest that at all. And she would fall in love with them and not understand why they're not leaving their wives for her. Um, but in her own life, she had some things that she wasn't clearing up. And she felt that they weren't related, but they were. She had major issues with her own dad. Her dad was very unavailable growing up. And she felt that You know, love for her was something she had to chase, that love was a struggle, that love wasn't hers free and clear, that love was something that was always going to set herself up for failure, and she was comfortable with this failure, okay? She kept putting herself in failure, wondering what the issue was. She was setting herself up all the time for rejection, but because for her, rejection and love were the same thing. She knew love only tinged with rejection because of her dad and what her dad did to her. So she was chasing that same feeling, love and rejection from emotionally and physically, you know, or whatever, unavailable men. That's why you can't judge people. Because when you see that, it's like very sad and you feel bad for them. So when she understood that, when she made that connection, I was like, oh, whoa, you know, wow. Because... That's heavy stuff. And where in our lives have we tied one of the things we think we want with something negative? Where is failure combined with a goal that would be considered a success? Old patterns and habits can be in the direct way of us moving forward. So we have to work through our spiritual stuff our blockages and our walls in order to understand when something's not working for you, or you think you're in the same loop pattern over and over again, you got to ask yourself like, okay, what's, what's actually happening here? Cause it's not just, it wasn't about her just attracting married men. It was, it's something more. And, and she figured it out through spirit. And we all have that thing. All right. Number five. We tend to have these long-term goals without the short-term goals. So we'll we'll have this goal, whatever your goal is, without the understanding of the spiritual lessons we have not learned yet to get where we want. This is kind of tied into the last one but a little different. So you can say like I want, you know, I want this amazing career. I want to be the boss. I want to be the CEO. I want to own my own business. I want to have I want to be married with, you know, two and a half kids. I want house on a hill, whatever it is. It's like, but it's this huge goal and you're just like, okay, I want it should be done now. But the thing is, there's lots of other things we got to work through before we get to that. And it's not like supposed to be this crazy amount of work. It's just, uh, it's just like, I've said it before. You got to give the universe a bone, you know? So if you want the house on the hill, and your finances are the things in the way. Then you got to sit down and get you know get a little serious with yourself about your your Amazon spending habits or something, you know. So that's what I'm talking about. Like you got to sit down and like deal with yourself and deal with the stuff in the way, you know. But so there's sort of some short term goals that need to happen before the long term goal can happen. Sometimes, all right. I had a friend. It was a long time ago. I had a friend who was struggling with losing weight, and of course, I mean she was beautiful as all bodies are. But she was very caught up in losing weight. I mean, she was obsessive about it. And she started signing up for classes, like workout class. She was a teacher too. She started signing up for these workout classes that were really early before school and then like right after school, so like twice a day. And she was setting herself up for failure in a way which mirrored her opinion of herself. So meaning as she was doing this thing for self-care, it was almost like abusive, even though it's supposed to be self-care, it was not nice. She was eating like the same food over and over and over again. It was just, it was very regimented and it, it seemed painful and she did lost weight. She lost a lot of weight, um, but her life was so regimented and all of a sudden the life she created around this goal became more of a punishment. Not unlike she had already felt when she wanted to lose the weight in the first place. The things that she felt she couldn't do, the limits she put on herself, they were still there, just in a different form. Now instead of not dating because she didn't feel like she was at the right weight, she couldn't date because she was kind of a slave to her own schedule and her own eating habits. She like absolutely feared being asked out to dinner because she was on such a strict diet regimen she put on herself. Um, she had to go to bed really early because she got up so early to work out, you know. So she was still limited. It was just her own mind doing it. And the thing with her, and I can talk about this because she was my friend, so I knew I knew it different than like a reading. You know, she had a lot of issues with the way she the abuse she suffered as a child. And instead of dealing with that, and, and the weight was something she did to, you know, protect herself or her own she didn't go to therapy or anything like that. It was just her way of dealing. And she never dealt with with the cause of a lot of this stuff. So being mean to herself was really the issue. And whether she had the weight or she didn't have the weight, she was still being mean to herself, just as somebody was very mean to her as a child. And until we deal with those things with therapy and our own spiritual connection or whatever we have to do, it's, it's going to be setting yourself for failure. Um, yeah, that, that was really sad. It was hard to watch somebody go through real quick. Episode 75, I talked about how you do one thing, you do everything. So if you're interested in more of this kind of pattern stuff, that would be a good episode to go back to. All right. So how do we limit setting ourselves up for failure? A lot of this is just self-awareness. So reflection, it's time to question your impulses. You may have a hard time at first questioning impulses, but later as you get used to doing it, it'll get easier. You go grab the bag of Cheetos instead of sit down and have your good lunch. Stop yourself. Why am I doing this? What's going on? Why Why can't I make, you know, if, if that's your thing? Or I don't know what, you're, you're going out with the toxic friends instead of, making plans with a different type of friend, what's going on, you know, what was happening here. So asking yourself, am I doing this again? How do I feel inside right now? What do I really want and why? How did I feel about myself when I made the choice I did? How will I feel myself 15 minutes from now after saying yes to that invitation I probably should have said no to? At Just getting in that habit. And another thing you can ask yourself is how am I setting myself up? So you have this goal, whatever the goal is, you think about that goal. Does this goal align with where you're at now? Is it realistic in your life right now to have that goal? And if it's not, where can you make it more realistic? What littler steps can you take now that would eventually, put, you know, stick you on the path to the big goal? What other goals do I need to accomplish first is a great question to ask yourself. Where, and also, where are my real motivations? Are these intrinsic? Is this my connection to self? Is this what I? If nobody cared, if nobody cared, what would I do? I was in the backyard. I told this to um, the eight eight meditation group. But I'll tell you guys too. I was in my backyard the other day. And I was just thinking about something that I wanted to do, and I was just thinking, I'm just thinking, 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 and then I thought like, what if nobody had a pain? What if nobody was mean? What if people weren't mean? What if everybody was supportive and nobody was mean? And all of a sudden it opened up for me exactly what I wanted. I'm like, that's what I'd want. If nobody was mean, that's what I'd want. And so my goal all of a sudden was very clear to me. As soon as I took out the thing that I guess scared me the most, other people's feelings about me. And Wow. I mean, I know that sounds kind of like, (laughs) I think a lot of times, like when we have our little downloads, they can sound not that poignant to other people. But honestly, to me, it's like a cloudy day, just poof, cleared up or something like, whoa, okay. That was easy. So that's in my way. What are my real motivations? What do you want if nobody cared? And what are your extrinsic motivations? What are the things outside of you that are programming you to think differently? And what are they? So just taking time and identifying the environmental factors that cause you to alter your behavior in ways that aren't authentic to you. And also, I mean, yeah, you got to set aside me time for self-management, for self-care, for reflection, for meditation, for a shower. You know, you just need time to think And cut out distractions and really get in your own head. You are your best friend. You're your best friend. And you're your worst enemy. And the person that's setting you up to fail is you. And I had to learn that. And when you learn it, you have more control over it. And yes, there's environmental things around us all the time coming after us. But we have to be adaptable and flexible. And we can do that by being self-aware. So I'm, trying, I'm giving you the power. I hope you feel it. Like right now, I'm just giving you all this love and power to navigate this stuff. And, and lastly, <laughs> what can you let go of? Because as you take in these goals that you want, there's going to have to be people and relationships and activities and thoughts and negative beliefs and patterns that you're going to have to let go of. We can't bring something in without saying goodbyes to something. It's kind of like when you get a new shirt and you put in your closet, you might think to yourself, well, what can I get rid of now? You know, I put in the new shirt. What can I take out? What don't I wear? Same thing with this. As you bring, you can't do it all and that's okay. You have to decide what can I let go of? So think about that too. I hope this helped you a little bit. I'd love to hear what you all have to say about this over on the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family Facebook page. Hey, Scotty.
1: Hey, guys. Well, the one thing I'm not going to fail at here <laughs> is getting my Mothman shirt. I believe you. I actually checked the mailbox when you were talking. It still hasn't arrived. I want to call the store again. Not... I just want to talk to them. I like, I like, <laughs> I like talking. If you want to the people like work there from the museum? Yeah, I want to yeah. go. I feel
0: like if you live there, you'd like be popping in with your coffee every day, catching up on the recent sightings. <laughs>
1: yeah, I feel I feel the presence of Mary Hire. You know, she's the journalist <laughs> that we right, talked about. Yes, when I call. Right. Like. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. she
0: loved the town. She Why did. wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, it's probably a really lovely little close town.
1: Yeah, it's really weird. I think I, maybe sometimes people could feel. My enthusiasm. I yeah. think my whole life people when I get enthusiastic, You're people contagious. have been able mm-hmm. to feel that. Yeah. Because I've getting I've getting a lot of DMs more than I usually get. <laughs> usually I get one to two. Right. But now I've been getting like three to four.
0: Whoa, double. Yeah, double. And
1: <laughs> they've been like showing me like different Mothman things you could buy like Mothman toys and plush toys oh and all this stuff. This is
0: like a new birthday is coming so, up so, yeah. so yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah my birthday is coming up people so if anyone wants to send some Mothman. <laughs>
0: I bet <mean, I> mean, <laughs> that's what I'm getting
1: you. Oh you're getting me. <laughs> yeah oh <up>. uh, yeah. <laughs> you're like
0: you're trying to grift.
1: Yeah I bet the try trying to grift
0: from the listeners. Yeah so
1: listeners birthday <laughs> ideas for me because you know I hate yeah, my birthday. You're
0: like grift is so sad. Yeah, it's
1: real sad. But Bothman, uh, I'm a medium in t-shirts. Okay, enough, t-shirt. enough, enough, so, enough. Okay.
0: All right, so back to the failure thing. Here's the deal. We've all had our failures. We all struggle with setting ourselves up for failure. Maybe we've maybe we've been more mindful about it. Maybe we haven't. I'd love to continue this conversation over on the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family Facebook page. You guys are always so open and vulnerable over there, and I really feel like it helps one another when we share our stories.
1: All right, and I, I, I do want to kind of just end it is a little sad note to end on. I you yeah. know, we usually try to end on a positive note, but uh, Normie, who we've talked about a few times on the podcast, he's our guinea pig. Yes. This episode, we're going to dedicate to him. He passed.
0: He did. And
1: it was real sad. We we all loved him. It was
0: really sad. It was,
1: oh, you know, I miss He already- always
0: used to make a lot of noise while we were recording. Yeah, we were recording yep. in the dining room. We don't have a studio. <laughs> so, so that's where also he lives. Yeah.
1: So he would always squeal during it because he, he wanted a carrot yeah so i, I would <laughs> i would give him a lot of green peppers before taping yes and that would keep him happy so but, and he
0: lived to the ripe old age of i think
1: he was like se- he was seven i think yes. he was about seven and,
0: yeah it was just
1: really sad yeah. and
0: so this is for you normie for you normie this episode is and this podcast it's for you and about you and we're so thankful you could spend some time with us today